Talking Real Estate with Maples Teasdale, the law firm where real estate really matters. Hello and welcome to Talking Real Estate with Maples Teasdale. I'm Fiona Larkham and I'm the team's professional support lawyer. I'm joined today by Tom Farrell, who is a senior associate in our real estate finance group. Our conversation today is about benchmarking interest rates and, in particular, why we're saying goodbye to LIBOR. Tom, to start us off, can you remind us what's happening with LIBOR and why it's being replaced? Hi Fiona. Yes, so LIBOR is the London interbank offered rates and has been the benchmark for the interest rate that lenders charge to borrowers for over 40 years. Essentially, it's the rate at which banks can borrow money from each other in the markets. LIBOR was set by collating estimates from a panel of banks as to the interest rates they would charge for various loan maturities, which were then averaged. But lower levels of interbank lending during the global financial crisis meant that LIBOR began to be less representative and really less reliable as a benchmark. And following the financial crisis, there were also widespread allegations of manipulation of LIBOR by various banks dating back a number of years. So this all led to the FCA announcing that it would no longer require panel banks to make LIBOR submissions and recommending that market participants instead move to what are known as risk-free rates. And earlier this year, the FCA issued a formal announcement that LIBOR would cease to be published and cease to be representative for sterling as from 1st of January 2022. And this effectively means that any loans on a floating rate which were originated from the 1st of January will no longer use LIBOR as a benchmark. So what's LIBOR going to be replaced with? So instead of LIBOR, as I said, a risk-free rate will be used and the risk-free rate for sterling loans will be SONIA, which is the sterling overnight interbank average. Now, the main difference between SONIA and LIBOR is that where LIBOR was set at the start of an interest period based on projections, SONIA is a look-back rate, which means that it's calculated by looking at actual borrowing rates for a previous period. So this means that SONIA is really a better measure of the general level of interest rates in the market than LIBOR was. So can you tell us a bit about how SONIA is actually calculated and what that's going to mean for borrowers whose loan facilities are now going to be based on a SONIA interest rate? Sure. The way that SONIA will be calculated for loans on a floating rate is by aggregating SONIA on a compounded basis over the relevant interest period and producing an interest rate for the relevant term. One implication of this for borrowers is that with a SONIA rate, there's no longer upfront certainty at the start of an interest period as to what the interest rate for that period will be. And this may have obvious implications for the borrower's cash flow. So SONIA is generally calculated using a five-day look-back mechanic, which means that it's calculated five business days prior to the end of the interest period. So borrowers will therefore know how much interest they have to pay five business days before the interest is actually due. There may also be pricing implications for borrowers. Now, although SONIA is a lower rate than LIBOR generally because it doesn't contain a credit risk element, lenders will still want the same return that they were getting with a LIBOR loan. So at the moment, SONIA loans usually include what's called a credit adjustment spread. And this is to compensate lenders for the difference in value between the return they would have got for a loan based on LIBOR and one based on SONIA. Now, this credit adjustment spread is particularly relevant where you've got an existing loan agreement which is being amended to include a switch from LIBOR to SONIA on the relevant date. And a credit adjustment spread would be included here so as to keep the cost implications the same for all parties following the switch. However, some loans which are based on SONIA from day one will also include a credit adjustment spread. 
This is more of a presentational point so that margin levels that are charged by banks will remain the same as they were on LIBOR loans. And so it's probably the case that as Sonia becomes more embedded in the market, the margins will adjust accordingly and the credit adjustment spread will no longer be needed. So how is this transition to LIBOR going to be managed in practice? Well, the Low Market Association has published a number of recommended forms of facility agreements using Sonia, and they will form the market standard precedent for parties using Sonia loans going forward. New loans which are being documented now will simply be based on Sonia from day one. However, for existing loans based on LIBOR, they will obviously need to be transitioned across to Sonia. Now, although these loan agreements might already incorporate fallback provisions to deal with the replacement of the interest rate, we are seeing facility agreements which is being specifically amended to incorporate a switch mechanic, whereby the interest rate will switch to Sonia at a specified date, such as 1st of January 2022 or earlier. And we've been dealing with a number of amendments to existing facility agreements to cater for this switch mechanic. Tom, that brings me on quite nicely to the next question that I was going to ask you, which is that obviously you and the team at Maples are watching the market. Can you tell us about any specific trends that you've been seeing? For example, I think there's been some discussion uh, around whether break costs will continue to apply where we've got loans that are based on Sonia. Yes, that's absolutely right. Break costs are designed to compensate a lender for broken funding costs on any match funding that they have in place on the interbank market, where a loan is prepaid in the middle of an interest period. This should therefore mean that practically break costs no longer need to be included in a Sonia-based loan. As I mentioned before, Sonia is not priced against a forward-looking interest rate benchmark, and risk-free rates are not designed to represent a lender's cost of funds. Also, it's not possible at the point of early prepayment of a loan based on Sonia to ascertain what the lender would have received over the remainder of the interest period to allow them to determine what the break cost should be. And this is certainly consistent with the loans that we have seen based on Sonia, which do not incorporate break costs. I should say that lenders might be reluctant to let go of such an established mechanic as break costs. The possibility of having to pay break costs acts as sort of a disincentive to borrowers making them think twice about making a prepayment in the middle of an interest period, which has administrative challenges for a lender. So going forward, the concept of break costs, I think, is likely to be replaced with some sort of administration fee or break fee, or indeed an increase in the prepayment fees that are payable. And lenders might also look to include additional limits on the frequency of prepayments that are permitted under the facility. And what about the way financial covenants in loan agreements are calculated? Will the move to Sonia have any impact on that? Yes, it will. So the move to Sonia will have an effect on how the finance costs element of any relevant financial covenants are calculated. So, for example, with projected interest cover tests, given that we can no longer use a forward-looking three-month or 12-month LIBOR rate to determine finance costs, there's a question as to how finance costs are then determined for Sonia loans. So one approach here could be to use a Sonia term rate or to use a compounded daily Sonia rate for the preceding interest period. On a similar point, the introduction of Sonia will impact on the timing for the delivery of compliance certificates. Now, the market position at the moment is for compliance certificates under a facility agreement to typically be delivered by the borrower five business days before the relevant interest payment date. And this, of course, will no longer work where the interest rate is calculated on a five business day look back basis, as I mentioned. 
one possible solution here would be to still run the rent account waterfall on the interest payment date, but to withhold the surplus going to the general account until a satisfactory compliance certificate is delivered after the relevant interest payment date. Another alternative could be that it's agreed between the parties that a compliance certificate is provided based on estimated figures. And I think as Sonia becomes more entrenched in the market, we're going to see a more consistent market approach developing here. And are there any other changes in approach that we're likely to see in loan agreements that use Sonia as, as you say, as the market adapts? Yes. Well, one area where we're currently seeing a lot of discussion during negotiations of loan agreements using Sonia is the fallback interest rate provisions and specifically the use of cost of funds as a fallback. As I mentioned before, Sonia is not intended to represent a lender's cost of funds over an interest period as LIBOR was. So there's certainly an argument that a cost of funds fallback in the event of unavailability of Sonia or market disruption is no longer appropriate particularly if the central bank base rate is included as a fallback in such circumstances. Fallback beyond the central bank base rate is not likely to be necessary since you know, the possibility of such a fallback being triggered is very remote, and so arguably no further fallback beyond this would be needed. On a similar point, there's a strong argument for market disruption clauses no longer being included for loans based on Sonia. Market disruption clauses are aimed at protecting lenders against disruption in the interbank funding market. On a LIBOR loan, if a lender was unable to fund themselves at LIBOR, then interest would simply be calculated by reference to the lender's actual cost of funds. With risk-free rates such as Sonia, which record the average rate of all overnight transactions and don't rely on quotations, arguably market disruption is not as relevant. However, as with the concept of break costs, as I mentioned earlier, these are areas where lenders may initially be reluctant to move away from the very well-established position. And we've certainly seen loan agreements which are switching to Sonia, but nevertheless retaining the cost of funds fallback and the market disruption provisions. So I think this is another area where a consistent market position is likely to be settled over the next year or so. Tom, another key area is interest rate hedging. So presumably the move to Sonia will have an impact on underlying interest rate hedging arrangements. Yes, absolutely. So if interest under a loan agreement is hedged, then that hedging will need to match the interest under the Sonia loan. Now, ISDA have produced a fallback protocol, which, if adhered to by the parties, means that the interest rate swap would be automatically converted to the fallback rate specified in the protocol. And the protocol provides that the fallback rates for IBORs are adjusted overnight risk-free rates. So the fallback rate for LIBOR would be Sonia. However, under the protocol, this is based on a two business day lockback. And as I said earlier, the position under the LMA loan agreements is that Sonia is calculated using a five business day lookback. And so there's a mismatch here. And any such mismatch is going to result in an imperfect hedge, which depending on the transaction may have adverse consequences for the parties. Now, the guidance issued by ISDA is not to simply rely on these fallbacks, but to actually actively transition the underlying hedging arrangements, for example, by amending or closing out the relevant contracts and then entering into new arrangements, which are specifically tailored to the transaction. And on deals that we've worked on, we have actually seen the ISDA protocol being disapplied where this is inconsistent with the facility agreement and the ISDA agreements themselves being specifically amended so that they are consistent with the facility agreement. ISDA have also recently introduced a new set of options and modular provisions 
And this is essentially a menu of approaches for average and compounded risk-free rates. And this includes options which are designed to be compatible with the LMA risk-free rate terms. So this should provide a standardised approach going forward for transactions where close alignment between the derivative and the hedged item is required. There's clearly a great deal to get to grips with here, isn't there? So, Tom, finally, as we approach the deadline and head into 2022, what do you expect to see? Well, going forward, Sonia is just going to become the new normal for loans which are based on floating rates. And we're already seeing lenders and borrowers being very well engaged in making sure that they're ready for this change. And it's really encouraging to see how easily the parties have accepted the coming change to Sonia already and that all parties are having a collaborative approach whilst all this is still relatively new. And as mentioned, existing loan agreements on LIBOR are already being amended to Sonia in advance of the deadline for the cessation of LIBOR. The LMA has published its recommended forms of facility agreement, which are going to help with a consistent market approach to documentation being developed. And as discussed earlier, we're likely to see more consistent market provisions agreed on things like break costs and market disruption as the volume of Sonia loans in the market continues to increase. Recent developments such as the publication of the new ISDA options are also going to continue to help with the smooth transition. So going forward, we expect to continue to be involved in documenting more and more loans based on Sonia for both our lender and our borrower clients over the coming year. Tom, thank you very much for sharing all that knowledge with us. And I must say, I'm looking forward to catching up with you again sometime next year so you can bring us up to date with how it has all worked out in practice. Thanks very much, Fiona. Thank you for listening to Talking Real Estate with Maples Teasdale. I hope you'll be able to join us again next time. Talking Real Estate with Maples Teasdale, the law firm where real estate really matters.